we don't do owner occupied. So if no, no. you are looking to buy a house and you're going to live in it or your kids are going to live in it, we can't do that. So that's who this is not for. Um, okay. But if you're someone that is looking to, you know, um, buy a house and turn it into a VRBO, we could help you with that. Who's this? Oh, you're an entrepreneur? Oh, you're a real estate investor. Oh, you're trying to learn from those who did it. Well, come into the lab then. Put your white coat on, gloves on, notepad, and let's build y'all. Real estate experiment, what is happening y'all? Today, I have the pleasure of having Heather Dreves from Secured Investment Corp, which is, as you know, she is a, a director of funding there, which is super, super timely because when it comes to finding the right deal and it comes to funding, it's really important for us to understand what's available to us. But at the same time, this is coming from the side of funding or uh, of investing into a fund. And I'm going to geek out around this topic because I think we can really experiment on both sides of the equations today. So before I give you the introduction and lay out the red carpet, Heather, I want to thank you so much for stepping to the lab with us. Please tell us where are you dialing in from for the people who are listening and also watching the shows. Absolutely. Well, first, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here also. Uh, I'm from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which is a very small lake resort town in northern Idaho, um, up at the top of the panhandle, they would call it. So we're right next to Spokane, Washington. Okay. That's super neat. We were just talking about this all off the air, how it's such a French name. And it's so, it's so nice to, to, when you say it real quick, it kind of like slipped through the cracks, but they're like, hold on, wait a minute. That has a little French origin to it. So, uh, as you would say it in French, but, um, so enlighten us other, because we've had a lot of experimenters or practitioners come in here and talk to us about multiple facets of real estate. And I know you have a wealth of knowledge when it comes, I mean, you have decades of experience in this space and you also have that as a background uh, with your family uh, when it comes to real estate, which is really, really neat. So, you know, you've done a lot of the private equity, you know, funds, et cetera, but you know, we hear that word a lot and sometimes we don't have a lot of context as to like, what is it really doing for the people, especially when you hear about it, is it, okay, is that for me? Is that for wall street? Is that for, you know, is that for, is that like private money lending or is it just, if I want to be a passive investor and I want to, and you know, like put my money to work. So why don't we just break it down take a step back. So we, you know, conceptualize the ideas, which is what I love doing in the lab. So we're very clear on what the terms mean and what the, um, what the language means. So then we can kind of reverse engineer how you got there and what problem you're currently solving in the marketplace. Absolutely. So we currently manage what we would consider private real estate funds. So these are not real estate funds that are publicly traded that you can invest with um, a stock account with. Uh, we are a fund operator or a fund manager and, you know, where it kind of derived from is, is we are a private lender. Um, but one of the things that we, we preach to our clients is have multiple streams of income, right? Whether you're an active real estate investor, you're out fixing, flipping, buying multifamily rentals, you know, things of that nature, or you're a broker. Um, there's also opportunity on the passive side. 
So the, the real estate funds are a vehicle that we use to provide opportunities for our clients um, to passively deploy some capital. Um, we deal with a lot of clients that use tax deferred accounts like self-directed IRAs, self-directed 401ks, solo 401ks, things of that nature. But really what it boils down to, it's pretty simple. It's a way to passively invest in real estate without doing it yourself, without dealing with tenants and toilets, finding the deals, rehabbing them. Um, and it's just another tool in, in our clients, you know, investor strategy tool bag um, that they can deploy some capital. And they do it in an environment where they're in a pool with other investors in a real estate fund that is all backed by real estate assets, mainly residential up to four units, and we manage it for them. So it's a way to either create cash flow for themselves if they're a investor trying to accomplish a, a cash flow strategy or for our clients that are more growth minded, um, there's opportunity for that too. Mm -hmm. Okay. Interesting. So what I love about what you said, Heather, is you said that, you know, you can still do what you're doing, right? Maybe you're investing in syndications, maybe you even have a W2. Uh, maybe you're an entrepreneur that has nothing to do with real estate. And yet you can still have access to someone like you, or at least your firm, Circuit Investment Corp, and deploy some capital to passively work for you. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. Okay. Interesting. So let's flip this thing on its head. So we understand. So that's one side of the equation, right? Now you said something very key because you said, you know, the, the real estate, it's they're real estate backed assets, right? But you said a key word, you said residential. Uh, why just, is it just residential? Is that part of some of the funds or does the fund just is literally just all residential real estate? If so, why? Yeah. So we actually diversify our, our funds. And what I mean by that is we, we diversify it in the sense that we take 75% of our balance of our funds and we lend that money out. So we lend money to other real estate investors. Um, those are lent against non-owner occupied properties, single family up to four units. So that's where the residential in nature comes into play. So we lend that money out. We create revenue for our funds and our fund members through things like origination points, interest payments paid by borrowers. So that's a bulk of, of the, the profit bucket, like I like to call it. The other 25% of the fund balance is actually invested in real estate assets. And again, that's single family up to four units, but only in our local market. We invest heavily in Spokane, Washington and Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Um, and the reason that we stick with the residential is one, as a fund management team, we decided 10 years ago when we dipped our toes into funds, we said, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna focus on what we're really good at and really what our background is. And we all came from a residential, you know, um, real estate investing space. Um, and we decided we weren't going to be the fund that did everything for everybody. We were going to focus on what we were really good at. We also wanted to focus around the affordable housing market space. Um, historically, we were focusing around short term, right? Fix and flip strategies, whether that was for our borrowers or what we were investing in. I will tell you with the market shift and you're probably doing the same thing. You have to be nimble and you have to be able to pivot very quickly when markets change. Um, so we are starting to hold some of these properties and, and create loans uh, for our clients that want to rent them. But again, we're still focusing around that affordable housing market space 
um, and then also um, up to four units. So that's just really our niche. We also believe that there's more opportunity to pivot, right? If you were going to fix and flip a property and markets decrease, you could always still cash flow them. And so that was really where that all derived from is, is just kind of focusing around that asset. It's not to say that there's lots of opportunity out there with multifamily. It just isn't our niche. Got it. So uh, in a business like yours, Heather, uh, I'm very curious uh, because it seems like you guys are literally playing on serving both sides of the equation, as I like to say, right? Uh, You're serving the passive investor and then you're using those funds to help active investors. Am I correct? That is, yep, that's correct. Oh, okay. So I'm I'm just curious, is, is it, um, when I, if I were to Google you guys, um, do you guys have a different front facing company? Like to get, cause we were just talking about this, um, offline about like, okay, how, how you should know who you target. And so if I'm, if I think of you and I'm a limited partner, I'm or I'm a limited party, excuse me, I'm a, I'm a passive investor. I'm thinking of you as like, Oh yeah, these are the guys who can put my money to work for me. But if I'm an active investor, and again, I'm just talking from a branding and, and marketing perspective, I'm thinking, okay, who's a hard money lender who can help me in this situation. So I'm just curious, like when you're, when you're have like this, uh, I don't even know if you would call it like a, what would you call it, like a swinging door? Or I don't know if that my analogies make sense. That's just how I think in my head. Yeah. How do you market yourself? Uh, and how does that look? Is it still secured investment corp on both sides? Um, it is not. So secured ah. investment corp is our parent company and I'll, I'll back the story up. This is really <laughs> where this all kind of transpired 10 years ago. I came to Secured Investment Corp. They were doing some private lending. I had a, a lot of experience working with clients that wanted to passively invest. So we would underwrite files for brokers and borrowers that wanted to borrow money to buy properties to fix and flip. My job was to dial for dollars. I'd literally get on the phone the second the deal came out of underwriting, and it was my job to find a passive investor that wanted to fund the deal. As you can imagine, it was extremely clunky. Um, We got all the deals funded, but it takes time. You know, people, it takes them a minute to make a decision. It takes them a minute to move their money around. If they're using IRA accounts, it takes even longer. Mm. And we found that our problem we were trying to solve was one, provide funding to borrowers and brokers in a timely fashion to get their deals done quickly. And then also on the other side of it, help our clients that wanted to passively invest, deploy their capital in the best way possible, right? So the stars needed to align <laughs> very, very quickly. And we're like, why don't we open a fund? Yeah. <laughs> and so we opened a fund. A lot of our investors like the fund environment because their money's deployed all the time. When mm. they're funding notes, they get paid off. They got to find another deal. Um, it also allowed us to provide our borrowers and brokers really quickly, you know, funded deals, providing it fit our guidelines and, and checked out through underwriting. So it solved two problems. Um, and, you know, honestly, we still sell notes to this day, but I would say the majority of our investors that deploy capital in a passive way are putting money in the fund because it's just easy, right? They can park it and forget it. They can set it up in growth mode to reinvest their earnings or get cash flow paid out. They're fully audited funds and they don't have some of the headaches that can kind of come along with buying a note and funding it and, and things of that nature. But for our really active guys that like notes, that like to dig into the deal and they only like deals in certain states, we still offer that too. So we really, like you, you I think just mentioned, you know, what are you trying to solve? I think we're trying to solve multiple things for diff- really different types of clients in the best way possible. 
Got it. So do you find that there is, you know, if I'm looking at both sides of the equation, because I was just telling you, you know, as an agency owner, I feel like we're serving, there's always two problems in our end. It's like, okay, if the demand, if the demand increases, then we need our back end needs to, you know, be able yeah. to handle the demand. Right. So it's, it's, it is a totally a balancing act. So right now, as is, if we're looking inside this kind of business model, so, cause I always like to make sure we understand the business model before we get into it. Is it, do you find that you have more passive investors? Like, are, like, where's the marketplace going? Are people, do they, do they want to have their money work passively for them more? Do you find, and is that where the tipping kind of scale is goes and, and, or people are actually, uh, you know, and maybe I know the answer to this maybe I don't, but deals are hard to find. Is it that yeah. are people, is there just as enough demand with people looking to actively borrow money? I'm out of curiosity. What have you seen? Um, you know, I think it, that is a question that could be answered differently every week. <laughs> oh, wow. Jeez, I that's mean, insane. You know, it, being a fund manager, the easy part is raising the capital. The hardest part is deploying it and keeping it out there working all the time. Mm. So um, our lending arm of our company is called Kogo Capital. That's where our borrowers and brokers filter through. So I didn't ever originally answer the first sure. question you have. It is a different brand name. Um, what we do is we have an education component to our company. So we teach real estate classes on how to invest in real estate. And they're all different strategies. There's wholesaling, there's rehabbing, there's you know buying properties for cash flow. So what we've created is this organic environment where mm. our education feeds our funding, our funding feeds our funds that we raise capital into. So we have this constant stream of lead flow. Nice. Um, and we work really closely as departments and teams. You know, my I work really closely with the origination team. I always know exactly what they have in their pipeline so that we can always have enough capital to close those. And then we don't sell more notes than we need to either, you know, because you don't want undeployed capital sitting in a fund. So I think, you know, it's a constant balancing act, but you have to work really closely with those other, you know, um, team members to know exactly what's going on and have a pulse on that. I would say that our strategy for most of our borrowers two, three years ago was fix and flip. That has changed, you know, and we as a fund have to be able to accommodate those changes. Okay, great. We used to do short-term lending, but now we see a huge need for like five-year rental products, you know, hey, let's start funding some of those deals, you know, so that we can keep our money out there working. So I think having a, a really tight-knit fund management team also is important in knowing exactly, hey, you know, we're, we're slower in originations. The other thing is we buy real estate. So that's another reason for diversifying that fund. We might be slow with originations for a month. That doesn't, you know, that means that we could go buy another property and, and, you know, redeploy that capital and vice versa. We have hard winters here, just like New York. We don't sell a lot of properties in the middle of winter. That means that we want originations to ramp up. So just really having a close pulse on that because we have a, a fiduciary duty to, get that money out there working for these people. That's the whole point of investing in a fund like this. And we have consistently had over 10% yields for the last eight years. And I think it is, you know, a direct um, effect of us all working really closely together. Got it. So I have so many questions. (laughs) So I love the concept of like, uh, like strategic alignment or strategic partnership. Like I love the education platform then going into being able to serve 
one question I have is as you talk about wholesaling, you talk about let's, let's focus on the active side for a second. You know, who is this not for just so we're very clear uh, because it sounds like you can, you know, from a funding perspective, there's definitely, I mean, we could all use the money, yeah. but you, I think you said some very key things in the beginning of this episode of, you know, you, you the kind of investors that, that kind of use this private money. Um, so who is this not for? Like where, who, who, if I'm listening to this and, and I just need to make sure, okay, that I hear this correctly, you know, who is this not for? Well, to answer that question, our motto here is, is a circle of wealth. We have it on our sales floor. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that it isn't for anybody. It just, it, it depends on who the client is and what they're trying to accomplish. You know, maybe they're trying to accomplish passive income. Maybe they're trying to replace a job and be an active real estate investor. So I think the question is not who does it not accommodate? Mm-hmm. It's really where do they enter in the circle of wealth? Right. Oh, okay, great. So, so that's a good segue. So, so I guess what I'm saying is if we're just trying to get tactical in the lab here is I wouldn't go to you if I was looking for to buy a long-term investment, right. With tenants in there. Is that, am I correct? Um, We could do that. A lot of our clients use us for short-term purposes, meaning they'll like a bridge loan or something, a bridge loan. They'll, they'll use us to purchase the property, rehab it. And then we actually have um, programs where we can refinance them out into better rates for longer term financing. Um, actually, to answer your original question, we don't do owner occupied. So if yeah. you are looking to buy a house and you're going to live in it or your kids are going to live in it, we can't do that. So that's who this is not for. Um, okay. But if you're someone that is looking to you know, um, buy a house and turn it into a VRBO, we could help you with that. Really? So now you're, now you're in my neck of the woods and a lot of experimentation knows that. Okay. So you went there, you said the word SDR. So short-term rental, it, do you mean that I could, if I was looking uh, to be on the market to, again, uh, buy a short-term rental, I could come to you guys? Yep. How, so what kind is it? Is it a DSCR loan? Like what, what kind of uh, loan is that? Strategy is we'll go up to 70% loan to value. So mm-hmm. if you get the deal for the right numbers, you can almost get 100% funding from us. Um, we are a, very much an asset-based lender. We also sure. do our due diligence on the borrower, but we probably weigh more heavily on the asset. Um, we do due dil- diligence on the borrower to make sure we're putting you in a good position and you're going to be successful. And you know, um, we're not interested in just earning origination points and then hoping for the best after the deal closes. We want, want our clients to be successful. So we can do short term. We have ground up construction programs, oh, wow. um, fix and flip. We base our loans off after repair value. So we can see future um, value add with properties and we'll base our loan off of that. We are, do not have a minimum credit score. Uh, and then uh, all they really need to show is three months of payments reserves and 10% of rehab budget um, as far as their bank statements go. Got it. Yeah. And I think experimentation is, is familiar with like the Burr strategy. I know that's something that we've talked uh, about a, a lot just on the, on the short-term rentals. Cause I, you know, I was going to go there and I wasn't going to go into this early. Cause I usually like to try to you know, control myself. Cause I just, I'm obsessed with this space and that's the space we're in. Um, but 
let's touch on that for a second. And I also want to touch on the new construction. Cause I know that, uh, that's something that I'm not as familiar with and that can also help, uh, our community. That's cause we haven't had too many, uh, individuals talk about new construction. So, but focusing on that short-term rental for a second, do you, when I'm, when you're saying 70% loan to value, again, depending on the deal, right. Um, or you're talking about getting an SDR, um, loan, um, what does that look like? Is it still 30 years, 15? Like what, what kind of terms could I possibly shop if I'm looking to shop around and I'm maybe I'm not looking to do any value add per se, but as we know in the long term, in the short term rental space, it's three to three to five X uh, the right. income of any regular income. So like, what are some of the terms that might be out there for our listeners to be aware of that they can expect if they're working with a, with a team like yours? Yeah. I mean, first, what our bread and butter is, is more the fix and flip rehab loans. Sure. Yep. Um, those are typically, I'd say those are priced anywhere from eight to 10%. Um, typical loan terms, 12 months with no prepayment penalties. We do not charge a, a penalty for paying off early. Uh, and then we do require our borrowers to make interest only payments with a balloon payment due. So that's, that's a typical structure for something like that. Um, like I said, we can go up to 70% loan to value based off of after repair value. So providing the purchase price is low enough and the rehab bid can fit in it, you can almost get 100% funding depending upon the deal. Um, your longer term program, so the programs that we use to refinance out our clients that want to hold them as a, as a rental product, um, you know, those are 30-year amortized loans. I've seen rates anywhere from you know, 5%, they have increased lately, you know, with rates going up, those are going up a little bit. So I'd say they're probably closer to six to eight, um, mm -hmm. depending upon the deal. Um, and then the ground up construction, I'm not as familiar with, I mean, I really do work mostly on the passive investor side of things. Um, but I do know that we just put a ground up construction program in place. Um, and I could get you more details on that, but I don't have a lot of info to give on that. That just occurred last week, but we're, I mean, the reality is we're always looking at that stuff. We want yeah. better for our clients and not every client's going to fix and flip and not everyone wants a short term. Awesome. We want yeah. this toolbox to be able to help all of our clients. So those programs are always changing. Um, but what we're probably best known for is our after repair value rehab lending. Mm -hmm. Got it. No, absolutely. And I don't uh, mean to just dig in and get, get too okay. deep into this because, because no, I, when, what I mean is I, I think obviously uh, we could definitely go down that rabbit hole. Uh, but uh, I think the point is at least where I see that we can offer a lot of value in this conversation is definitely talk about the other side as well, which we you know started to talk about that there's two sides of the equation. So going on the limited side of, of the equation, or I always say limited, I mean, passive investor side of the equation is um, I'm very curious as to within the, you mentioned this, you guys have lots of fun. So if, if I'm an investor and I'm investing in a fund, is it like a, silo of like fund a fund b fund c and depending on i guess my level of uh you know aggression towards you know the, the style that i want how aggressive i want to get or like how do you as a firm kind of present these kind of a la carte uh funds or is it kind of a consolidation uh of, of funds all together like one large pool like how could you oh, explain I that yeah, I think that's a great question because I get people all the time. Well, why do you have why do you have more than one fund? So, 
to give you a little insight and background behind our funds, we, like I said, opened up our first fund nine years ago. Um, this is the fund that is still in existence. But back then, the only type of this, this kind of a fund that you could open was called a 506C fund. And all yeah. of that really means is you had to be a high net worth individual. You had to have either a million dollars in assets, excluding your primary residence, and or you had to have an annual income of $200,000 a year for the past two consecutive years as an individual or 300 as a married couple. And one of the things that we, I really pride myself on about our company is we want everybody to create wealth. And we don't believe, and we felt like we were doing a disservice saying, well, we'd love for you to invest in our fund, but you're not accredited, so we can't let you in. I mean, that was the, the SEC rules, right? Yeah. Um, but we always felt really cruddy about it. It was like, why shouldn't everybody be able to invest in this? People should do their own due diligence. The SEC shouldn't be telling them what they can invest in. And quite honestly, it's not any riskier than putting your money in a stock account. And then the stock goes down and you have nothing. At least there's tangible assets in this real estate fund, right? Right. So four years ago, they changed a lot of those rulings and we jumped all over the chance to open up what's called a regulation A plus fund. It's a lot like crowdfunding. This fund is managed just like the high net worth individual fund, um, but we decided we wanted a very low minimum and we wanted everybody to be able to go into it. So we opened up this fund, we call it the Circle of Wealth Fund 3, and it has a minimum investment of $1,000, but they can still get the same kind of earnings that our high net worth individuals do in our second fund. And so that is the reason we have two funds. We wanted it available to everybody. We didn't want any limitations on that. We still actively manage the other fund and people put a lot of money in it, but it's got a $50,000 minimum and people have to qualify as an accredited investor. So um, really the reality is they're both managed the same. They have the same assets in them. They're just different requirements and different filings. We'll be right back. Experimentation. I always experiment. And the reason why is I'm always trying to find the best tool, the best method, and the best vehicle to help me get to my end goal. One of the tools that we use in the short-term rental space is Guesty for Hosts. Now, Experimentation, you know that I love to test things and I wouldn't be sharing with you anything that I don't use myself. As a short-term rental superhost, Airbnb superhost, listings that we own and co-host at the same time, I can tell you that there's no better software that allows us to streamline our business. Right now, currently, there's actually three properties right now that are currently where guests are checking in and I'm here with you and I did not need to send in check-in instructions for, this, for these current properties, right? There are multiple ways that you can streamline your operation from on the front end and on the back end, from being able to create a website, from being able to get income reports for your team, to looking at statistics, to setting up auto reviews, to integrating your smart lock so that you don't have to sit here and send every day and remind yourself to send the, the passcodes for your smart locks. No, instead you can integrate directly the exact same way that you can actually send your cleaners a link so that they don't have to remind themselves uh, when they need to go to cleanings. There's text reminders that go out. There's links that can go out for them. This is a tool that if you're looking to give a smooth experience for your team on the back end, it will truly reflect and it does for your guests on the front end. Make sure you go to host.guesty.com and use our unique link. Our unique link will be in our bio in the show notes. If you're currently watching this, you'll see it right here at the bottom of my screen. Use this unique link so that you can tell guests 
guest tea that I sent you. You don't want to miss out on this. You need a PMS property management software in your business. If you're looking to operate like a super host that you deserve to be so that your guests can have the best experience that they deserve to have at your properties. Again, that host.guesty.com use our unique link that is here on the screen in the bio and in the show notes. If you're listening to this guys, happy hosting. Got it. And out of curiosity, can you double dip if you have? <laughs> and what I mean by that is like, okay, I'm thinking you guys have this pool of assets that you either own or I guess, um, yeah, yeah. Or yeah, that you own, especially I guess for the 25% side. Um, those could I have, let's say you have a fund, the 506C fund, and then there's this 100 unit building that is just completely crushing it. Uh, can you also have the Reg A tap into that? as well and have both kind of pull from a portfolio in-house. That's really neat. That's really cool. I've always been curious about that. We uh, just bought a 22 unit, a very small apartment complex. Mm -hmm. We're not big multifamily people anyways, but there was an opportunity locally to buy this very small 22 unit apartment complex. Um, and all in, it was 3.4 million, which in, you know, multifamily, as you probably know, is, is a small dollar amount. Um, but we raised um, about 20 shares at 100,000 a share. And then our fund backfilled the rest of it and they're invested in it. So there's definitely opportunities, you know, providing that your fund is written in that way, um, which ours was, that we have the ability to ploy some capital. So we put a couple million in that and, and then raised the other portion of it. Got it. Now, I'm so glad you went there and you called it share because um, in, in, you know, funds are a little bit different than an individual apartment syndication. Do you mind just giving our audience a little bit of insight as to how that's different? Because I, I, I want to make sure that we kind of bring that home because we've had some multifamily syndicators on and it's, I want to make sure that they know it's different. Well, and there's, you know, and it's interesting, I've started doing some webinars and podcasts with some multifamily syndicators. And it's been really nice, because I think the two products provide two different things, right? Mm -hmm. It's still real estate. But in my opinion, when you're looking at a syndication, it's a long term investment play, right? You might get paid what they call a preferred rate, but your upside is the depreciation benefits. And then your upside is also paid when they sell the property, right? Our fund is just a cash flowing fund. Like we we fund short term uh, loans through there, right? So they're just constantly moving through there. There's monthly payments coming in, and then the real estate that we purchase is short term in nature, also. So a lot of my and I, when I talk to the new clients, especially, I'm like, what are you trying to accomplish? It's one of mm. you're either trying to accomplish cash flow, maybe you're retired, you sold your practice. I, I deal with a lot of dentists that have high net worth, lots of capital. And they're like, I'm trying to replace my income with all this money I made off selling my practice. So the funds are nice for that because they do pay out all profit every quarter. So that's the big difference with a a fund like ours and a syndication is all profits are paid out every single quarter. So for your clients that really like cash flow, they're great for that. Um, but my my people that like growth mode that like to see the earnings coming in, even if they're not needing to receive it and live off of it, they still like to see it. They like to mm. see that it's making them money. They like to see their earnings in there. Um, so it, it gives the ability to provide that too. And so I think the biggest difference is, is the short-term profit 
you know, earnings that you get out of a fund like ours opposed or compared to, you know, a syndication where it's, it's longer term, right? Like you'll see your upside in five years usually. Um, our funds also have a 12-month tie-up period where syndications usually are much longer than that. I, I don't yeah. know that I've ever seen one less than five years. So, it is, um, Heather, is that because of um, if you were to pull out long-term investments are taxed differently? Is that for your books or is that is that the idea behind as it? As far as the tie-up period goes? Yeah. Um, we really just did it because one, if, if you don't have a tie-up period in it, you're going to have people trying to enter and enter. Yeah. It. It's an accounting nightmare, right? Oh my gosh. And and 12 months is not that long. It's, it's not, it's not. No, that's why I'm, I'm very curious. I was very generous yeah. at the same time. Well, um, we wanted people to know they could exit it if they yeah. needed to things come up. Got it. That's good to, I, I love that distinction though, because I think, you know, especially in the real estate space, I mean, we have some clients, we were talking about this, where we, we launch a lot of podcasts for a lot of multifamily syndicators, but some of it's, it's funds and they're in real estate. And I think sometimes people get those mixed up. Um, and um, I mean, there's just so many products in the real estate space that it's really important for us to like know the difference. That's why I'm really appreciating you kind of sharing your insight as to like what it means to share into, a, uh, what it means to invest into a fund um, and what that looks like for you and the flexibility and the shares, which you mentioned, uh, rather than kind of being tied up. I think that's really important for people to understand. Yeah, it, there's been a lot of synergy with with some of these multifamily syndicators because, quite honestly, sometimes they offer things that we can't provide. So our mm. really high net worth individuals that you know are looking for things like depreciation, cost you know, segregation, and yeah, sometimes they can do a 1031 exchange. We can't do that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really been nice to find like-minded you know operators like us that offer a different product because mm -hmm. I think we play well off of each other, and sometimes we can offer something that they couldn't offer. And so we've been doing a lot of what we would call JV partnering with, you know, just different webinars and things like that, just trying to kind of help one another's clients. Is there another, I'm glad you went there, Heather. Is there another misconception? And you know, our audience, we're investors, you know, we've heard a lot of the multifamily syndication. We've heard a lot of the burrs. We had a lot of, a lot of different things. You being in the funding space uh, and knowing how investors think, you know, is there one thing that jumps out at you? That's kind of a big misconception as to like why one should consider to invest in a fund and is often overlooked like this one or two key benefits, or maybe it's just one, or maybe it's just, um, you know, however many there are, I'm just kind of curious if there's yeah. one that comes to mind first that you're trying to drill into people. No, no, no. These are not the same. This is why we're different. Yeah. Well, I think the reality is there's a lot of bad fund operators out there. Mm. I don't know that it's necessarily that it's a fund that people, steer away from. I think they hear horror stories and, and I've done this long enough. I get calls all the time. It's like, Oh, I didn't do my due diligence on this operator. And now he's went sideways. I'm not getting paid. You know, one of the things that we've started doing about a year ago, we got involved with a company called Verivest and mm. they have a mission to weed out bad fund operators. And so they will do additional compliance on companies like ours, meaning every quarter they come in, they look at our books because funds like ours are audited on a yearly basis, right? A lot can happen in 12 months. And, and people that don't do their due diligence and get involved with bad fund operators don't realize they're in trouble until they're in trouble, right? It could be 12 months down the road. So we've 
as an organization have added an extra level of comfort for our clients, yeah. saying, hey, we pay this company to come in, do compliance on us on a quarterly basis. Quarterly. You can also go to their website. If you're, you know, maybe you come in contact with, with a fund and you want them to do diligence on them, they will do that for you. You could require that fund operator to go through Veravest. So I think the misconception is people hear horror stories and there are some bad stories out there, but not all fund operators and managers like us are bad. There's a lot of really good ones. It's just knowing the right questions to ask them, you know, get your due diligence. And I've done quite a few presentations on that. Here's what you should be asking. Do they audit their funds? How often do they pay their earnings out? What can you expect for reporting? You know, a list of things. Um, and, and I call it due diligence. Um, and then, you know, use your, your, if the hair on the back of your neck stands up, that's probably a sign that something's off. So I think really just educating people on how to do their due diligence. I think the funds are a great environment to be in. I love notes, but notes aren't for everybody. Like I tell mm -hmm. clients, all I'm going to say is if you want to buy that note, be prepared if that guy doesn't make his payments that you are willing to foreclose. Cause that's the biggest thing. Most people, they don't want to foreclose. It's like, but that is what is securing your money. That's why the funds are just such a nice option. You could take your 50 grand and be in a fund over hundreds of notes rather than take your 50 grand by one note and then that guy doesn't pay and now you have no cash flow. Yeah. So, can you can you um give an example of what that is because I think that's we sometimes use that word loosely like a mortgage is technically a note, right? So for you, when you say that, is that the investor who's trying to be a private money lender by himself or herself? Is that what you mean? Or what does that look yeah. like? Well, it's basically buying a lien against a property, you know, and, and some people try to do it themselves. They'll try to lend their money out. They get hooked up with somebody through a real estate investment club or, you know, something of that nature. We have a lot of clients that come to us because we do sell our notes and their notes or their mortgages or deeds of trust. The note is is the instrument that identifies what the borrower's paying. This is the interest rate they're paying. This is how much the loan's for. This is when it's mature. So the note really defines and outlines the specifics of the deal. The mortgage or the deed of trust is the security instrument that's actually recorded at the county. And that's what puts a lien against the property. So it's both. Mm. When you buy a mortgage or deed of trust, you better hope that you bought a note with it because that identifies how the borrower's going to make repay the loan right but they're all essentially the same thing i appreciate that clarification that's very that's very deep right there how, how do you um how do you sell notes how do you how are you guys selling notes and what does that even look like at a high level so our notes that we sell are the same notes that we originate through our funds and we sell them so that we can recoup our capital and we can originate three times as much as we normally would if we just held everything right can you give me an example of Bob with X amount of money versus X, just so we can conceptualize yeah. this? So I, I've got a guy I'm dealing with today. We're going to call him John. He mm -hmm. is a client of mine. He likes notes because he likes to dig into the deals. Um, he reached out to me. He's like, I have $80,000. I want something that's going to pay me at least 10% returns. I have sent him three deals that I currently have available and what we do is, is if he shows interest, which he has, then I provide him with a due diligence package. So he gets to look at all the documentation we use to underwrite the file. And then if he decides he wants to move forward, 
and, and wants to fund the deal, then we create transfer documents. We transfer our ownership and the note and the mortgage to him. He pays us the principal balance of the loan for 80,000. And now he starts collecting the interest payments every month. And then when the borrower pays off with a balloon payment, he gets his principal back. And so that's very interesting. When you guys sell that note, can you talk about that side? Why would you want to sell that note if it's potentially making interest money for your investors who are investing passively? Did I get that right? So the reason that we sell them, like I mentioned, is they re- the fund recoups its capital. But when we sell that note, so for example, the note I sent him today, the borrower's paying 12%. Mm-hmm. I marketed it to John for 10%. So the fund will get its $80,000 back. Now John owns the note. He starts collecting payments, but that 2% interest strip still goes to the fund. So now percent oh. on money it already got back. And so now we'll go fund another note for 80,000 and then we'll sell that note. And it's just this. Continuous- oh, wow. Okay. 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 I get the game now. That's really interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So hypothetically, we've got $30 million in our funds. We'll probably originate $85 million in notes in a year because we just turn it over and over. That's very interesting. That's literally the engine. I think we got to it. See how, <laughs> see how we just right at 50 minutes in, we got into it. Yeah. But no, it's interesting. Cause yeah, I think you have to have some context to really understand the operation. And the reason I say that, and I reason this is so, so important that I'm really focusing on these things that I feel that People can't invest with you if they don't understand how the mechanics work. And I think that's our biggest challenge, you know, in the marketplace. And this is what we talked about offline. Like, who are you trying to, you know, cater yeah. to and who are we trying to serve? And I think the reason why I love platforms like these is, is this is how I got into short-term rentals is because I understood. And I was like, oh my gosh, being, being like alarm, right? Or light bulb. And so I think it's really important for people to understand like why, a company like yours is so important for them to either have or consider having in their portfolio because of this concept that you just described so uh, effectively here. <laughs> Professor Dreaves with us in the lab, y'all. Oh, I love um, Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Heather, I've been dying to ask you this. I've been trying to control myself. I'm like scratching my neck. <laughs> I, <laughs> I've never come across... I'm not, I shouldn't say never because I don't know the layers that go, you know, underneath a fund. But no, I'm preempting the question here. But as a short-term rental geek, as you guys know, Experiment Nation, um, has it ever come across your desk as to, hmm, why don't we look at this short-term rental asset class? It cash flows like crazy. If, if, No, like if you would pass it on, I would be interested in knowing why, because I had a gentleman come on my podcast and was kind of um, not similar from a funding perspective, but he had that kind of knowledge of how to put funds together. And he asked me a very good question. Like, why don't you do like a short term rental fund? Mm -hmm. And, and I'm like, Oh my God, like that's super genius. I know. I love it. And like, but I, you know, I like the proof of concept. Like does this stuff exist? Does it work? Um, You know, is there, you know, like, I don't want to reinvent the wheel here, but is that something that's common in your industry with you and your peers, your competitors? And is that something that is too volatile for a fund? It, it, what's the deal here? Because 
I know tons of people in our space completely crushing it from boutique hotels to properties bringing back returns that people get in a year off traditional real estate. And so I'm looking and thinking like, is there some kind of limitation with the SEC? Like, is there like, what is the, why not short-term rentals into your portfolio if you have not yet considered it? Well, we've considered it, but I will tell you that I think because of our model, because again, we turn that those assets, right? Whether mm-hmm. it's properties we're buying or loans we're originating. So one of the things as um, a fund management team that we've experienced for all these years is we're only as good as the exit, right? And, and mm. we will fund whatever we can. There are no limitations on what we can put in the fund, but we have to make sure that we have an exit for it so we can recoup our capital and keep rolling it back over, right? Our clients that we deal with, we're not dealing with Wall Street investors. Ours are, you know, the millionaire deck store, the guy that is driving the same truck for 20 years and has, you know, $5 million in a self-directed IRA because he was smart enough to figure out how to, to, to grow those accounts. And so I think that's what has limited us. You know, short-term rentals for us would be great if it was a single family because the dollar amount isn't that high, right? We could sell that asset. We could provide a loan to a real estate investor like you that's strategizing short-term rental. We just want to make sure we can sell that paper off. And so that's the challenge for us at least is we're not holding any of those assets. We got to make sure, okay, great. We're going to, we're going to start dipping our toes in short-term. I got to find an exit for that paper so we can continue to originate Mm. because we don't hold anything. And that's where syndications come into play because most of those assets they're holding, we're just turning it over and over. So that probably just from our our fund management perspective, how we set our model up, that's probably been our biggest limitation. That's why we don't do big commercial through our fund. Like I don't, you know, one, if I fund it through the fund, I got to make sure I have an end lender to buy that paper. If it's a $10 million apartment complex, we can't hold that and, you know, tie up our funding lines. So that just from, just based off the way we manage our fund, that is the reason for that. But I definitely think there's huge opportunity in the short-term rental, especially mm. for the RBOs. I mean, a lot of those are, are single families, right? Oh yeah. They're so crushing it. Would be in <laughs> our, our loan officers, if it's a deal, we're going to get the deal done. There are no limitations on our fund. Hmm. I love what you said. We're only as good as our exit. I think that's such a good exit to this interview. <laughs> Look at that. You're pretty good at this stuff, Heather. You need to, you need yourself your own show, girl. You're crushing it out here. Heather, this was super fun. I learned, I certainly learned a lot. There's a lot of questions that, you know, I ask on behalf of the community, but really I'm asking on behalf of myself as well. Cause I'm like, hold on wait a minute. And I'm sure you saw a few times the light bulb kind of going off. Um, but you know, this is, we can only, we, we could go, I'm sure you could talk about this for hours and, and time and time again. So I appreciate you kind of giving us a little snippet in your world, a little bite, a little, a little bit of a, you know, appetizer or, or entree, but um, you know, it's funny. I always get that mixed up being, I told you I was French and a little disclaimer here, guys. Um, anytime I go to the restaurant and I'm with my fiance, I'm like, it throws me off when I see, um, entree because in French it's kind of like the appetizer 
anyways yeah throws me out anyways i had to put that in there so i could kind of call myself out on that error but anyways you gave us a good window of an understanding of how your business works now how can you let the individuals who are not watching you right now or listening to you find out about how they can work with you and your team uh because i'm sure that from this episode uh you're going to get a lot of um interest and insight of you know okay how can i tap into this and how can i you know have my money either passively work or on the front end of kojo capital kind of put it to work yeah absolutely so if if they're more focused around the passive side of investing you know maybe that's through funds or notes uh, they can always visit our website at Secured Investment Corp. So it's Secured Investment Corp, no plural. Um, they can get all the information that they need there. They can schedule an appointment with myself and my team if they want to speak um, more specifically about what they're trying to accomplish. If you're an active real estate investor, maybe looking for funding, um, regardless of the deal, as long as it's not owner occupied, go to our website at Kogo Capital. So C O G O capital.com and they can get uh, information there about funding that we provide. But we'd love to talk with anybody. You know, um, we talk about it all the time. It's a circle of wealth and everybody enters at a different place in that. Um, and there is not a dollar amount that's too small to start investing. So I encourage everybody to get investing. That's the hardest part. Just do it. Um, and I think that, you know, our fund that we have uh, with the minimum of thousand dollars is a great place to start. Absolutely. The reggae, the reggae. I love it. I love it. Uh, Heather, definitely. Thank you so much for again, stepping into the lab. If you got your hands on the wheel, you know, keep, keep, keep them on the wheel, right? We're going to have these in the show notes. Okay. You don't need to worry again. If you're actively investing, it's cogocapital.com to make your money uh, again, to put your money to work actively with with uh, a, a lot of access to capital. And then if you're looking to, you know, be a passive investor, you know, you got securedinvestmentcorp.com, which we will include in the show notes. So thank you so much, Heather, for stepping into the lab with us, giving us a lot of insights. And just like that, we are out. If you're a real estate professional, a real estate agent, a real estate investor, a lender, a multifamily syndicator, a contractor, you name it, and you're looking to grow your online presence, but you have no idea how to get started or simply don't have the time, at Invested Talent, we help real estate professionals extend their current business to social media. Why is this important? Without this, you wouldn't be listening to this show, and your own host, Ruben Kanya, and his team would not have done deals they've done today. As a matter of fact, Social media has helped us keep this show together, which now exceeds a billion dollars worth of real estate from our guests collectively. That's right. Our reputation, opportunities, partnerships, and most importantly, real estate transactions were started directly from social media. If you're a real estate professional and you lack an existence on a media platform, Invested Talent can help. Simply go to investedtalent.com forward slash social media and make sure you click the get in touch button to get in touch with our team. Again, that's investedtalent.com forward slash social media and get in touch with our team. You focus on being the brand and we'll help you build it. Now, if you know anything about the lab, you know that we like to give practical advice. 
So if you feel that this podcast was of any value to you, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes by going directly to the podcast app. From the show's page, scroll all the way down and leave us a review. If you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe by clicking the subscribe button and leave us a comment. Lastly, and most importantly, share this episode with a friend you feel will benefit this episode the most. Remember, there's a you and I in build. Let's build, y'all.